Listener Production. Hi, this is Paul McIntyre. Welcome to the MI3 Audio Edition. I've been a business journalist for 25 years covering the marketing, media, agency and tech sectors. In this series, we talk to industry leaders about the global and local developments that you need to be across this week. Well, this attention economy thing keeps getting more intriguing. A few weeks back, Nine revealed its study with Amplified Intelligence into how much attention people pay to its ads on mobile devices, connected TVs and linear broadcast feeds. Active attention, which basically means eyes can be tracked on the actual ad versus other content on the screen or distractions beyond, was highest for mobile at 72% for a 30-second commercial. For linear TV, active attention was 37%. And more media and platforms are releasing their attention data. The latest is a pilot study from Cinema, and it looks set to take the crown as the king of advertising attention, at least so far, with numbers that seem just a little crazy. But common sense tells us attention probably should be high in cinema. It's a massive screen and has no distractions, including the outlawed use of mobile devices. It means viewers have their eyes and ears all on the sight, sound and motion. So what are cinema's numbers and where is the global arms race for attention at? With me today is Amplified Intelligence CEO Karen Nelson-Field, just back from the World Federation of Advertisers Global Conference, where attention was getting plenty of attention, and Val Morgan, Managing Director Guy Burbage. Um, Welcome to you both. Karen, give us a quick global take. You're travelling the world doing lots and lots of stuff. Give us a quick global snapshot on, on where the attention race is at for both, you know, agencies, media, marketers, um, and we'll get to the global conference in Greece, as I understand it. Um, hard to do that one. But, yeah, where, where, are, you, where are you seeing attention right now, Karen? It's been it's been fairly hectic 12 months. Yeah, look, it has. I mean, it's great to be travelling back and talking about this topic, but the 12 months that's passed has really sort of solidified, I guess, the importance of the metric for a number of reasons. Um, you could probably clearly say this year is the year of attention and what I see this year as being is version two of that. So last year was all about sort of cementing the problem that we're solving for, sort of talking through how new metrics might supplement existing metrics and solve those problems. Well, what is the problem we're solving for? Well, the problem we're solving for is that impressions are not equal, right? So one impression on one platform is not the same as another and yet, you know, systems and methodologies and you know, econometric models are all based on equitable impressions. So that's that's the problem we're technically solving for. But amongst that, what, what solving this problem has done is it's sort of really opened people's eyes, excuse the pun, to um, the reality that attention is better metric than engagement, which is... Anything, really. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So the last 12 months is, um, when you say it's an arms race, I mean, that sounds really negative, but it's um, it's definitely... You know, I think a lot of people have really realised how much a supplementary measure can actually improve the ecosystem. So this year for me is more about, okay, we all accept that it's important. We all accept that it's something that, you know, isn't going to set the measurement system backwards. So this year is about really solidifying the quality of the data and the ability to predict against trading and things like that. So for me, this is version two of the whole education process. And so is there a difference between, I mean, both obviously Australia where, where your home home turf is for amplified intelligence and attention, but you, you're global. Is there a difference in between where what where marketers and, agent, uh, marketers and advertisers are at versus where agency groups and media agency groups particularly and media owners and media platforms 
Um, is there any distinctions in the understanding of the advancement or sophistication of where they're at with this attention, um, with this attention economy and the metrics? The short answer is no. I mean, you know, we're a smaller country, so it seems like it's bigger here, but it's not really. I mean, every every major holding co internationally are across this and it's filtering through to pretty much every region. So we're sort of finding that while Australia is definitely leaping forward in terms of the collaborative approach, I think, um, you know, pretty much every single holding co is connected to this in some ways. And there are a couple that are really leading the charge. But, you know, in Australia, I see a lot more indies engaging, that's for sure. Um, from a publisher perspective, it's definitely a global thing. But, you know, we're here today to talk about the cinema, the extension to the cinema model. And, you know, this is the first in the world in this space. So I give you credit for that guy. Yeah, well, we'll, we'll let Guy have his moment in the in, in the audio sun um, in a second, um, which is there is some interesting numbers coming. I do want to ask first, though, you were in the Greek islands uh, allegedly for some some work. Um, the World Federation of Advertisers had their conference there. Um, attention was sort of in there in a currency context, was it? What were you, what were you doing there, and where is the where, where did that conversation go? Look, I had some separate conversations about you know the the normal thing, which is you know what are we solving for and how can we course correct. But they actually asked me to come because they're an advanced organisation and they asked me to come and talk about currency formation. So, you know, it's a bit of a land grab with attention at the moment. Right. And they sort of said, you know, can you can you put a bit of a line in the sand and sort of show us what what does quality mean and, and you know, how fast would she, should we be running towards a currency, you know, and, and what are the things that need to happen for stability and endurance? So they actually asked me to present on that. You know, I think if you were in the room and you'd never heard of the concept of attention as a a metric before, you would have gone, oh my gosh, what is that? This is, this is alien stuff. About? Yeah, yeah. Um, but, you know, given, you know, I think 90% of the world's advertisers are partners of WFA, I think majority did understand it. So it was it was really fun for me, actually. So, well, so should attention be a currency or should you be a layer over a reach and frequency currency? This is, this is part of the discussion that's going on here and globally, is it not? Yeah. I mean, you know, I've been criticised for saying we should move slower, but the reality is we're talking about human measurement. Outward facing camera based human measurement is not something you can just run out and do. It's a surveillance thing. Well, what do you mean by outward facing camera measurement? There's two types of attention metrics. There are those that measure internally or inward facing, which is basically metadata, which is like advanced viewability. And then there's those that sort of measure humans and outward facing. So right. It's camera in the based. case, in this case, it's I. I trace, I trace, or facial recognition, or, facial or right, anything right. like that. You've been criticised for the, wanting to slow down. Yeah, look, I, the short answer is I think it eventually it will be, but until we have enough data to be able to essentially do away with the current impression system, then it's not going to be. And there's a long way to go. So I've always thought, you know, particularly during my lifetime in this industry, it'll be a supplementary layer, a really good one but not a replacement. Most people are happy with that or not? I think it depends on the commercial interest. Right. Most uh, agencies accept that because, I mean, you think about their systems and how ingrained they are into current reach metrics and how expensive it would be to sort of undo what they have. So I think a lot of the current um, planning systems and buying systems have the capacity to bring in extra data and to overlay it. So those types of people are, are very happy with it. Well, we're getting a little bit ahead of ourselves, but this is what we do uh, sometimes. <laughs> that's what you do. That's what I do. <laughs> um, just on the currency thing, Guy, where, where are you? what's your comfort zone in terms of what attention, uh, what role attention should play in a reach and frequency currency kind of context or beyond? 
So we think it's going to be that supplementary layer. So it's adding a quality filter um, so that advertisers, can you can effectively value the channel and what it's doing more effectively. So, you know, when we constantly analyze versus reach and CPM, you know, that is that is a battle that we don't win particularly often. So have, because your reach is... Because our reach is, you know, we're not a reach-based reach, we're not a, uh, reach based medium um, and our CPMs are expensive um, in comparison. You know, we think it's going to be a quality layer over, over the top of um, current metrics, which is reach and frequency. And that, for me, is all about evaluation. It's about getting to a more equitable, equitable start line to show that what channels are really delivering isn't just reach and frequency and cost. Um, and all of the things that we've been talking about for some time in terms of how we drive brand outcomes, awareness, high levels of consideration and preference of intent really start to come to the fore because you're measuring those types of things ultimately rather than just measuring blunt metrics like reach and cost. And, and so, Karen, the, the, it does get us uh, ultimately back to um, – we'll come back to how things are being – how attention is being used by different groups, marketers, uh, media platforms globally, but it does get us to – to cinema and the fact that um, when when guys talking about it being sort of disadvantaged at a, as a reach medium, but it, it's essentially a very high attention uh, channel, um, and this is the this is what you're discovering increasingly as you do as your work continues that some platforms, uh, well, not all platforms are equal. At least on the start gate for attention, some deliver better attention uh, without even the creative um, before they even start. So, give us a sense there on on um, what you've been doing with Val Morgan and cinema. In this market, you do say it's a sort of a world first or world leading. Um, and uh, what do the numbers look like? It's really important for us to not only have depth of data within mobile and television, but across different formats and different platforms. For us, you know, cinema is a classic example of what you said before. You know, it's against the rules to second screen. It's against the rules to talk to people and be distracted. So In the cinema, yeah. Yeah. But when I was young, really young, I actually worked for Val Morgan as a kid and, you know, I was taught very deeply about the impact and, you know, locked in and the sound and all that sort of stuff. So, you know, for me, I know what the distracting features of platforms are and, you know, the cinema piece is, is really interesting because there's very few distraction features, if you like. Mm. So it was really uh, interesting when Guy approached us. Um, so the technology that we use for television, we were able to extend to a bigger room with bigger cameras. Um, and that's kind of the prototype that we've built here. So let's be clear here. So on, in TV, you had a, a camera mounted on the television that looked at the at, at the people in the room and could see where their eyes were down to a finite movement. Uh, the same principle for cinema. Is that right? Not quite. So mobile, we use gaze. TV, we use facial recognition because you're a lot further away from the camera point. So it's a mathematical calculation of probability of your face looking. Yeah. And we use the same approach for cinema. So the further away it is, the harder it is to see people's right. eyes, particularly in low lighting settings. Yes, right. So um, we extended the facial recognition model out to however many hundreds are in a cinema and used two major cameras kind of on the side that were suitable for low light. So that's how you you gauged whether people were looking at – how can people not look at the cinema screen, though? I mean, this is where it gets to – in my view, uh, it gets to common sense. There's not a lot of option to do. You get in trouble if you do your screen, and you might – some – some a very small percentage might be being romantic, but that's that's about it, really. Yeah, look, I mean, the reality is one of the big findings that we did see is that – because we measure both active, passive, and inattention. So inattention – in the TV screen is when, you know, someone gets up and walks away, but they were originally a viewer. Inattention on mobile is when they're holding the phone, but they're 
sort of switched away from it. They're not looking anywhere nearer. But we didn't see any of that, obviously, in the cinema. So what that means is that we can only see a combination of passive and active attention. So once you're in, you're in. Mm. And, you know, the large, large majority of people are looking at the ads um, and there's a small proportion that are kind of still interacting with people alongside of them. Let me get some numbers because I like numbers and I like benchmarking. Sorry um, if for those that don't, but, you know, bad luck. I happen to be on the mic. But if we go back to what Nine's numbers uh, were showing a couple of weeks ago in relation to BVOD consumption on different devices, you had 72% active attention for a mobile device. That makes sense. That's common sense, right? So, Well, it's common sense for some platforms. Oh, it's not common sense for all platforms. Right. So that's a, a, a unique increased active attention because of the content. Okay, I'm glad you pointed that out. We may have to delve into that a bit later. So fair point on that. But in, in, in mobile, on television content, BVOD content, it's 72%, drops to in linear to uh, about 37% for active attention, eyes on the ad on the screen. Now, what this does, what, what we see in cinema is it looks like, you know, what are the numbers, Guy? Can you talk to um, the numbers there? Because, you know, you should be feeling just a little bit happy, I imagine, because they're pretty big. We're definitely pleased. And I think... You talk a bit about the common sense factor that's applied for it. We've been talking about the cinema medium and what it delivers and why it's so special for, for a long time. I mean, it's exactly all of, you know, it's it's always driven to drive great attention. Um, and even from Karen's time back in Val Morgan, that's been the same. So that is, I'm going to try and be polite here, 15 years ago. Oh, stop. Did you make popcorn? No, I sold cinema advertising when I was oh, 20. Right. Sorry, distraction, guys. Distraction. So look, our numbers from an active, um, active passive perspective at 80-20 was zero wastage from the initial trial. So 80% active, active attention. That's right. Am I allowed to ask, is that the biggest number you've seen? Look, I can say it has. It is, yes, it is right. the highest number. But again, it's, it's, it's common sense. So all the things that distract you are not there. Mm. So again, it shows that the functionality of the platform causes distraction or causes attention. And that's why we're excited by it. You know, it's it's common sense and we've been talking about it for a long period of time, but we haven't ever had a business like Karen's to come along to be able to measure it in an independent way with great technology and deliver consistent those consistent results that we need to talk about it um, out in the market. And that's why, you know, it, for us it's that next logical step, but it is a really, really important one for us to have this um, quantified in a platform like Amplified Intelligence. So the 20% number is passive attention. Yeah. So does that mean like people are, what are they doing? Talking to their, maybe talking to their ah, kids, okay. turning their heads slightly, right? you know, breaking the rules and not just checking their phone. Yeah. Karen, Cinema is looking at 80% and, and we should, we will, we will clarify this. It was a pilot. So it was a small sample. Right? It wasn't, it's not, there's more to come on this. It was, but there were three different sessions, so yeah. the results are generalizable across three different sessions. Okay, so we'll get to a little bit of that in a minute. But in terms of 80% for cinema, what comes next in terms of platforms? And I know you're not going to tell me which platforms, you'll name them, but the, the next best result results for different platforms, where are those numbers sitting, Karen? I think you might have mentioned them. What I've spoken about, dear listener, is television, even though um, Karen <laughs> won't say that. They're, they're the next best is, is television. But let's just be clear. Each platform does play a role in different yes. kind of campaign objectives. And I will be honest and say that whilst, you know, some of the socials, you know, have lower attention from an active perspective, there's different. We, we talked about this before, guys, so there's trade-offs. So I'm Switzerland around how it then gets integrated. Yeah. But you are correct. The next one you've spoken about is the highest. What is interesting, though, is that even in some of the conversations we've been having with some of the media agencies around this is that they do, to your point, they are seeing different 
roles and applications of attention based on whether it's a performance-driven um, campaign or whether it's about um, just, you know, reminding people that we're in the face and so forth. Would that be fair? Well, Karen? we see that in our own data, right. if I'm really honest. So we can actually at individual level kind of connect it to upper or lower funnel and we see that ourselves. So, you know, and, and as we go into sort of productizing trading this year, that's exactly where we're headed. So, you know, you know, mental availability is high active attention for extended periods of time when performance is perhaps a little bit like less active or fixated. So, mm. you know, different things. And go, let's get to what you think this impact is going to have on the market. You sort of touched on it a bit earlier, but the impact for the, these, these attention numbers for cinema and also... Um, let's be, maybe you can explain to us, Guy, how this works because a lot of essentially what um, Karen has with Amplified Intelligence and Attention Trace, if I got that right, um, where there is a pool of data of different platforms that buyers can buyers can look and, and, and choose where the, what, what relative attention is by platform. Is that where I'm going? Am I getting this right? You are. I mean, Attention Trace was the original collection name and we've actually just rebranded the, the planning uh, part to Attention Plan. I mean, it's- Attention Planning. Planner. Same, same. Same, right. same, right. But there is a there is a big pool of channels Correct. like cinema Correct. and television yep. and socials. Yep. And web. And, and web and publishers. Right, got it. So to you, Guy, what, what, what is this, what is the, the implications for you? How do you think the market's going to respond to a big number like 80%? Because it's, you know, it's not bad. Well, I think it passes the smell test, to be honest. I mean, there's no doubt about that. Having zero wastage makes, it just makes a lot of sense. So- but I think for the biggest impact for us is going to be around, as I mentioned earlier, is, is around this equitable, having a more equitable start line of analysis of what's delivering and driving real value on comms plans. So at the moment, we're measured by reach, frequency and cost, or CPM, and that just doesn't tell the full picture about what's really happening out there um, on the start line. And we have you know, consistently lost in that area. What we're working with agencies on is, is really understanding what are the factors that are important to them and attention is one factor of, of many um, being considered. So how do we help or work with our agency partners to come up with a, a structure or a, um, a framework that helps them, that is acceptable to them to, to value us better on that start line. And so what we're seeing is, you know, we are seeing already lots of conversations with clients that have attention. They also have ad stock. They might have clutter in there. Uh, they've got ROI and sales as part of mm, that analysis. Right. And that's take, that's turning us from a very much a nice to have on the schedule to almost a must buy. And some of the planning, as the data is being integrated into clients' planning tools, we're seeing those thresholds where cinema becomes probably effective after um, driving reach on other channels. We're seeing that threshold drop from one 1.5 down to half a million dollars. So we're all, already getting more access to clients' plans by the fact of planning with a filter of attention rather than just planning to cost-efficient reach. Well, I just want to add to that because, you know, it's not just the amount of active attention as a, as a whole or as a single unit, but it's also about ad length. So one thing that's different on quality platforms is that, you know, if you put a longer add-on, you do actually get more attention across the ad length. So whereas that doesn't happen on high scroll so, you know, if you were to put a 15 or a 20 second or a 30 second ad on a high scroll web version, for example, you'd be lucky. Well, you, you don't get any more attention than you would for a six second, for example. And what is the advantage of having attention longer um, in a longer format or a longer ad than 
a high scroll, short, three second, four second verse? What's what's the advantage? It's of- message and brand and you know all of the things that you want people to understand who you are and what you believe in and what your brand stands for. So you know, mental availability, as we've said for many years, is driven by more active attention than less. And this is a classic example where creatives can be creative and actually have a longer form and not be concerned with decay. Advertising you get decay as in memorability. No, advertising, attention decay. Attention so, decay, so right. The, the high scroll platforms, um, essentially, you know, the, maybe they get 90% of active attention in the first half a second and then it scrolls away pretty fast. Okay, so so use cases, Carol, but to both of you actually, I mean, use cases of how we, we, you sort of touched on it before, you've seen, you know, mid mid-high funnel, lower funnel sort of use cases for this in, in, in application of attention. Um, you got any scenarios there that you've seen globally that are interesting or even even here? There's some pretty, pretty interesting stuff happening here with some of the how some of the media agencies are using it. What, what's tickled you in terms of um, application of this? Well, what, what is interesting is that they're all using it differently. Right. right? So we kind of went in and said, you know, it's, it's a quality filter, like Guy said, or it's a supplementary layer, however you want to use it. But the, some people are using it at the reach and frequency curve space. Some some others are using it with their CPMs. Um, you know, th- there's lots of different use cases. Others are using it to sort of quantify MMMs. Um, Media mix or market mix modelling, yeah. Yeah. Yep. So it's so that, that surprised me, to be honest, because I thought there might be one or two use cases, but lots of people are using it for different things. Others are using it for creative strategy. Others are using it for share of voice planning. Guy, what do you, what do you think is happening? Well, what do you see... The early signs of it. Yeah, so look, we're seeing lots of agencies and partners use it differently at this stage. Um, fundamentally, it's about that first part around analysis and um, and providing an equitable CPM matrix or a framework. But where they're starting to think about trading is is really what is driving what is driving in the activation space of what you're actually buying. What is really driving um, greater attention than perhaps standard spot buys. So one of our things that we're going to look into as the next phase of this, as we get more um, serious and committed around the data collection, is the idea of like genre. So, you know, do bigger titles, do more cultural media moments, garner more attention because they're more lean in, they're more anticipated, they're more talked about. You know, it's as much as an AFL, NRL grand final to Ash Barty in the Australian Open to a Spider-Man to Top Gun, all that. Getting a bit greedy though. I mean, 80%, that's, that's already, you reckon you can top 80% with, with by genre, do you think? Oh, I think it acts as a good proxy about what's really driving real value. And it, we already know that they deliver better results, those really big moments in cinema. But I'll really, we want to add that attention quality layer mm. over it to really give it, give it that next sort of layer of legitimacy that can show clients that these cultural media moments are almost, well, are an absolute must buy. Mm. Um, not if you've got a spare bit of budget at the end of your campaign. So how you treat a TV special is where cinema, in our perspective, should be in that ranking. Right, got it. Uh, and and so what's interesting there too is, um, you know, you talk uh, a lot about actually having quite a significant younger audience. Um, this is where their attention gets locked on as well. They can't really do too much else either, right? So is that true? You've got good younger audiences? Yeah, so youth is youth is a huge um, runaway success for us. It really powered, it powered us coming out of COVID. Um, it's certainly powering us now, particularly with the content that we've got. We can see upwards of 70% on some major titles coming from the 18 to 39 demo. Um, so we do an awful lot of heavy lifting in that younger end. I think, um, you know, we're hoping to see those results maintain right across the board. If 80 is the benchmark, I think you might see a bit of fluctuation on either side um, with because of the nature of those cultural moments and because it's really, you know, it's part of 
a diary appointment with friends. It's a social occasion. It's just not on in the background and it's not wallpaper. We are hoping to see that sort of um, bring up another attention level. Right. Well, so they, they can get higher than 80, you reckon, Karen? We do know that demographics play a role. So the more we look at, and, and so do formats. So if you think about all of the, the major socials or even all of the general web, there's different formats within those that do actually get different levels of attention that add to that average. So I would expect that there will be some that are higher, some that are slightly lower, but I think it'll, I mean, it's an yep. average. So it won't Absolutely. So look, one of, one of the uh, interesting questions that came from um, a marketer uh, last week, I think in around cinema was, and it's, it's probably just worth mentioning because I think probably a lot of people ask themselves the question, how many people are, are coming in late to go, I don't really need to see the ads, I just want to see the film. Is that a, is that a, how big an issue is that? Short version, it's not a big issue for us. Um, and we measure this constantly because it is probably, well, it is the one place where we're very, very concerned at making sure the advertiser experience is maintained. And I mean that also in the, in the length of the pre-show that we talk about. But we measure it in a couple of different ways, timestamps on tickets, people, you know, testing, uh, clicking on the way in. Um, so we do that part of the measurement. But we've found it sort of moves between 95 to 97% of there for the pre-show. And what we consistently find in our data is that it is part of the whole experience. Probably because of the trailers and the ads? Trailers and the ads. And we've got a fairly unique ad break in the sense of it's not just one big block of ads and then it's, then it's, the, uh, then it's the feature film. So it moves between ads into content, into house ads, and then back into ads, and then you've got trailers in there. So it's a really interesting space that we're going we're gonna to play around with a little bit more in the future. Um, but I just fundamentally, we don't see that as a major problem yeah, because so. consistently audiences see us as they see ads as part of the experience. They are the, the, uh, the least avoided of all channels, particularly in the youth, in the youth segment. So, mm. you know, they are accepting of ads. They're not actively trying to get away from it. Can I add to that? Because, you know, I can actually agree with that because in the data, I can see people switch out a little bit more from the house ads, sorry. Um, so that sort of shows me that they are actually quite engaged in normal ads, if you like, because they you can definitely see the blip. Yeah, and we've and we've seen it. I mean, we've me- been measuring this for years and years and years. So, so th- it's basically what you're talking about is is, is three to five percent are not there for the uh, may not be there. Yeah, okay. And I'm saying the house ads being you know turn your mobile off or you know get extra candy. <laughs> oh, okay. Versus the big Versus the, the normal, big hit yeah, brand ads that might be right over. So you've got some work to do, guy, on your house ads. <laughs> I'll pass that on. <laughs> yes, thank you. Just let them know I said that, would you? I will. Um, all right. So we're we're we've got to the to the crux of this. Um, let's just go over a couple other themes, and we'll wrap this up. Any more signals, Karen and Guy? But Karen first on whether pricing starts to uh, have be influenced by attention. Is is pricing going to? There's some forces that are trying to maintain pricing and keep it suppressed. Um, and others are saying actually quality means that you pay for, for, for better better results. What do you think is going on in pricing at the moment? Interesting you ask me that. So I have a personal agenda about this because I think it's too soon for an attention CPM because CPMs are all over the place, right? So it doesn't represent quality or non-quality. It's it, it, There is no sort of, I guess, supply and demand, if you like. So, But attention CPMs are circulating. They are, but I don't believe What's wrong with them? Because CPM is a dirty variable, right? So in a sense that you pay what you want to pay from a bidding perspective. So you might be paying too much or you might be paying too little, but it's got nothing to do with the output of the impression. So I think it's actually, I think attention is bringing that to the front and and people are looking at 
how much they're paying relative to the quality. When you say output of the impression, do you mean impact of the impression? Is that how I would? Yeah, yep, okay. yeah, yeah, impact. Right. So, um, but I think it's too soon to sort of be looking at an attention CPM because otherwise you're just going to basically optimise to the lowest attention average. But well, for those of us that are not, and both of you can explain this, for those of us that are, are not deep in the weeds on what an attention CPM looks like, what, what, what is the market doing with an attention? What is it? What is it? They're basically looking at CPM divided by how many attention seconds, right? So you can actually game that system because if, if the CPM is low enough, you can still then buy an ad that's two seconds of attention and it looks like it's a good price to pay, if you like, but it doesn't really represent at all the quality piece. So that, so that follows for us. So if you're spending, you know, if you're only getting two seconds from the ad and you've got to keep buying more reach and therefore you know, low cost um, media to get lots of attention seconds. You're fundamentally going to choose those platforms that probably prioritize passive and are all on cost efficiency and reach, which means you're never going to get past, you know, a certain threshold of an ad. Right. Even though you keep buying more reach. Yeah, you buy the volume right. of him you buy the volume of attention seconds, but you're not buying them from a certain point of view of the, of the time in the ad. So what we're focused on is is really that quality, that consistency all the way through the communication. That drives. We know that we all know that active active attention, you know, delivers a better outcome in absolute terms. So, you know, it's about finding those platforms and getting that balance right between active and passive. That we and what you're using it for, right? and what so, you're using it for. Yeah, because so, I mean, some in some ways, uh, an attention CPM would work for a performance or a, just a reminder, uh, reminder sort of uh, strategy or program project uh, initiative or not. Yeah, I mean, I think so. I think what I see happening, though, is your first question was, is it affecting CPMs? And I think the answer is it is. And everyone's looking at the mix of things. So reach, frequency, quality, cost. Mm. So I think it's sort of starting to be considered. So, you know, I'm not suggesting that should never be the case, but in the early days when, you know, one platform can be overcharged or undercharged, not relative at all, to the impact, mm. I think it's a little bit too soon to use that as the standard. Let me ask you this, Karen. One of the things that also comes up in and around attention and 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 what where the where the metric and is going and the and the not currency is going is so at, the, at this stage it's very much a, an eye sight based um, capture. But people are arguing, well, what about audio? Um, and you sort of mentioned a bit of audio before. And of course, you know, in the case of cinema, it's got audio as well. And so does television and audio visual medium. You can still have attention, but not necessarily be looking at the screen. You can, you can, you can be capturing, you can be capturing a message that an advertiser is saying in an audio context, but not necessarily visual. Is that, is that a, um, a, a, a sort of a, a gap in what you in your methodology? No. So we know that passive attention plays a role and we know that sound on and volume plays a role within that. So we, we know there's a complex interplay between active and passive and how it all is connected, but visual attention largely is already accounting for sound within visual mediums, you know, actual auditory mediums separate to that has a different measurement place. And we've done even two and a half years ago, I'll be honest with you, we, we did a huge amount of work for Spotify where we looked at some of the, in, the outputs such as, you know, mental availability or, or stats or choice, and then sort of tried to essentially um, reverse engineer those impacts against what we already know about attention to sort of benchmark them, if you like. There's more work to be done, but we are heading towards that way again to sort of bring in audio. So I'm, I'm totally with you that there's, there's something in audio that's quite separate to visual. 
So the best way we can do it is um, sort of link it to what we've already done. Okay. And one other question, because these are the sort of questions that circulate in my little world in around attention as it gathers more uh, pace and interest is, so in terms of landing a message, uh, some some saying are asking, um, so what happens when I the attention of the eye on an ad doesn't necessarily mean that it's landing in the mind or in the brain or in memorability. It definitely shows it's a first gateway to say, okay, you got a fair chance of it of it of it landing. But eye attention versus the processing uh, in the mind for memorability and mental availability is a different thing, or is it? Hundred percent, and we've said this from day one. So, to your point, I get criticised on this. I mean, we went into this trying to solve a currency problem, which is the viewability doesn't give you actually buy against viewability, and half the time people aren't actually even looking. So, we went into this to think, how can we build attention in a scalable way? I have said all along to the neuroscientists out there that this is not a cognitive measurement, right? But you can't build a scalable currency. With a sample of ten, <laughs> no. So um, I'm I'm totally with you. It, it's not we don't understand what people are thinking, and I would hate to think. But what we can see is systematic patterns. So when you've got enough data and you look at it at individual level, you can start to see how this thing called attention, active and passive, is related to outcomes. How people feel and think, not at all. But we do see systematic patterns, and that's what we're building product towards to be able to capitalise on for the advertisers. So the link then to STAS, which is essentially an, 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 an outcome for a purchasing outcome or an, an indicator of what people will buy, does that hold then? What, the, at the individual level? Yeah. 100% is better. Right. And we're just writing a paper about this at the moment. So, you know, when you go to market with a really complex topic such as attention and all of the things that fall below it, you know, I would have confused everyone if I had started to talk about the clusters that we found at individual level cross-platform, right? Right. We already knew that, you know, version one of attention was going to be active attention seconds, pretty easy to manage. But the next phase for us, which we've already, we've been working on for a long time, is individual level, how different humans behave and how that interplays with outcomes. So that is the future. But had we started any differently, people would go, thanks, thanks, but no thanks. Yeah, yeah. Okay. (laughs) Now I have to, this is a really obvious question. I know you're probably going to roll your eyes because everyone will be asking it, I'm sure. But then let's just hear it from, and I don't want to say the horse's mouth because that's inappropriate, but let's hear it from the source um, of the currency, if you like, or the measurement um, initiative is creative. So I know that the sort of, let me give you my rudimentary and you can say where I'm messed up. So at this stage, as I understand it with your, with your work, the platform governs the level of baseline attention that a person will have towards content and ads and the platforms are all different. Once you get, once the platform gives you a baseline attention load or level, then it's about the creative that holds the attention or where does the role of creative play in this? We see it at the third level, but audience is the second part of that. But, you know, so demographics is a classic. So, you know, youth pay less attention typically than older people, but the creative plays a role. Don't ever quote me to say that it doesn't, but it's certainly not principal in terms of- It's growth. secondary to the platform. Basically, yeah. I mean, the audience fits in there too, but you're you're spot on the way you just explained that. So there's a ceiling and a floor, if you like, or an elasticity against this norm. And what that means is that no matter what you do as a creative, 
on this platform, you'll get this much attention on this platform. For the same creative, you'll get less attention on this platform. You'll get, I mean, we just talked about it with cinema. Like if you put the same ad on cinema and then you put the same ad on some general web, you know, you're not going to get the same amount of attention. So if creative drove that, you would, but you don't. And we see that over and over and And there's over. no breakout exceptions where um, amazing creative will um, smash through the, the generalisation of this. always always outliers, right. but very, very large majority of the time. It's a bit like viral. Like everyone thinks viral is normal. It's not, mm. right? So there's always outliers. I mean, and interestingly, the outliers are often movie trailers, to be honest. Right. Um, so things like that. Um, uh, we'll cut through whatever the cut platform. Through, um, but there's certainly not to the point where it's, oh, my gosh, you know, you just got 10 times the amount of attention than you would expect. It's just not that way. I could just keep going because there's so many questions, but why don't we just finish up with um, what's next for both of you? So for you, Guy, what's next in terms of cinema, Val Morgan, where all this plays out, where are you headed? So we're going to go into um, more consistency consistency in data collection um, and then we're also going to take this to New Zealand. So right. we run an ANZ business and that just makes logical sense for us. We'll be able to see whether the Kiwis are sort of smarter, sharper, more attentive. No comment because you are a Kiwi. That's, you nailed that. Um, and then it's just about how we work with partners into the data. Like we're interested in three things. So time spent with the brand because we hold it um, across the 30 seconds, but we want to see the impact of 45s and 60s and, and what that does in, mm. in our space. The positioning as we talk about. Because you around, do do a lot of 60s. Cinema gets... Yeah, home of 60s. Yeah, home of 60s. Home of 60s. Right. Longer the better as far as, as, far as we're concerned. Mm. Um, then the positioning as we talked around because we've got an in- interesting interplay between trailers, house ads and standard advertising. Um, and then lastly, that genre piece. So, you know, what can we get, what information and um, insight can we get out of this that can try and um, either demonstrate better outcomes or different opportunities or ways to think about using the channel? Um, and then that's for us. And then I think the last and final piece will be how we work with agency partners. So, you know, we are very committed to this. But we're going to, I think we're going to find out, as Karen mentioned earlier, we're going to, you know, every agency is looking at it slightly differently. And what's important for one client might not be important to the next. So, you know, it is going to be about testing hypotheses, working out what is really applicable or what is applicable in the real world and how this reaches, you know, how do we deliver business outcomes for clients? Um, and we're going to be, we are very, very committed to that as a partner of, of clients and agencies. Is that a 12 month, 18 month? What does that look like? I just think it's going to be ongoing. I think it's right. going to evolve a fair bit. I think the trends in audience consumption are going to keep driving that as well. It's going to make our youth audience more important as we talked about. Um, but it's also going to be, you know, it's ongoing because I think clients are going to have different perspectives and different challenges and we need to meet those challenges with research. Final question for you is how is the box office? Look, how is attendance? Box office is going really well. Audiences are going really well. Uh, we're back up to about 85 to 90% of 2019. Um, and we've got a huge three, four, four months coming in front of us. So Dr. Strange launched last week on Thursday and then it's into your favorite Top Gun Mm. Big storylines like Jurassic Park, and then we end the year with Avatar, which is 13 years since uh, the first. Wow, version. yeah, which is the biggest in the biggest ever, isn't the it? Biggest ever in the world. Yeah. Um, so that, that they're just huge storylines, really big cultural moments that you know I think I think will really turn heads with audiences, particularly off the back of the results we saw with Spider Man. I just want to be clear: you did say I was a Top Gun, did you? Don't think he did, Bob. Oh, okay, right. I don't think that's what I meant. <laughs> no, I know. Yeah. You, I certainly know you didn't mean that. I just tried. Karen, for you, the next, uh, what next? God, where do you start? More platforms, more countries. We're in 10 at the moment. Goal is to get to 20. By? Next 12 months. The, the, the future. <laughs> the near future. 
But the other thing I want to do is also listen to the clients around use cases. So, you know, we are selling APIs as well as this, you know, planner that we spoke about. So is that the right way? They want to ingest it into their systems and is there a different way? So so we've got a big focus as a business to sort of go, okay, well, there's been adoption globally. Thank you. Let's work out how it actually can be integrated even better and more useful. Right. Well, that's a good conversation. I, I learned a little bit more um, than I knew coming in. So thank you both. Um, stay safe. And um, I, all I can say is um, may the Top Gun be with you. <laughs> Sorry. Let's just call it a day. Thank you. This MI3 audio edition was presented by Paul McIntyre. That's more. Producer Nick Slater. Music by Matt Dwyer. For more episodes, go to listener.com or download the Listener app and search MI3 Audio Edition to listen for free. Listener.